Hey there, you're listening to an assignment with Anelia, my place of purpose, where I meet people, pursuits, and passions worth talking about, where storytelling is as imperfect as life, and where no editing is allowed. The next episode follows. And my guest today is Tammy Hansen, a dog lover with a divine calling. That's one way to describe you, right? Yes, I guess so. (laughs) Welcome to the program, Tammy. Um, So you call yourself um, a dog handler, a dog lover, a dog um, trainer. Where where do you fit on the spectrum? All of the above. Okay. Um, I've been a dog lover since I was a child. Mm -hmm. So we grew up, I've always had a dog always had a dog um, and as I as I got older um, I had an old cattle dog and she passed away and I wanted to do something to give back but I really didn't know what um, at one point about that time we had a lot of missing person cases um, the Evansdale girls um, one in Hampton um, Ethan um, Kazmrak and so there's been a few missing person cases that mm-hmm. really um, gosh, they really resonated in my heart. And it was just, it was like a divine calling that I was going to use my next dog to do um, search and rescue work or search and recovery work. And this is the reason why we are talking here is that you found your mission mm-hmm. and your purpose in life in doing search and recovery work. It is the kind of work that does not suit, it, it's very much needed. Mm-hmm. but does not suit everyone's temperament or everyone's character or it, it, it's the kind of mission that that i would say is quite rare you're the only person in bremer and butler counties here who does that kind of work yes i really appreciate you uh for doing you know taking on such challenges but um how did you decide that this was the kind of work that you wanted to train your dogs to do well <laughs> like i said i i feel like it was a divine calling um, I had met up with some people that I knew who had a puppy and they donated this dog to me. Um, she's, she's a Bracco Italiano, which is an, it's a pointing breed. Um, the dog had never been used, that breed had not been used for this before in the United States. Um, she is now currently the only one of her breeds certified in human remains detection. So, which was an interesting thing in itself. That's um, amazing. What is the dog's name? Her name is Tessa. Tessa. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Tessa is trained by you. She lives with you. She's sitting outside of, of our studio here, right? Correct. Correct. Napping in the in your in your truck. Yep. Right. <laughs> and how old is T- T- Tessa now? Tessa will be seven this year. Okay. And so you've been working with her for a while. She was a puppy when you adopted. Correct. Her. When I when I first got her, I started her off. I really didn't know what. Um, I wanted to do. I just, I got some books. I read a few books. Um, A gal named Becky that I went to church with, she said to me, she goes, you know, I think my sister-in-law does this doggy thing. I should connect you guys. Hmm. Well, her name is Marsha. She's my training partner and she lives down in, uh, down near Gilman, Iowa. And um, I just, she just, her and another person named Sherry Sorensen, the three of us are I'm like the three musketeers and we started training together and those girls just I feel like the golden child because they, they really just paved the way for me 
in so many ways. They've taught me everything they've known. Uh, we've all learned from each other, but they told me I needed to do man trailing. And what man trailing is, is it's scent specific. So let's say that you, um, the last place anyone saw you was here in the studio. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't find you and you've been mm -hmm. missing a while. So what we'll do is we'll take something that belongs to you and I would put my dog in harness and put a 22 foot line on her and give her this her command this is and have her come look for you and she will take that scent and she will sort out all the other odors and all the other people around and find just you and so this is Tessa. that was Tessa um, but Tessa was too fast so when she was about two I switched her to human remains detection and then I got Bailey Bailey is a uh, blue tick bloodhound cross Bailey will be four this year, and I so I man trail with Bailey now. So, so you have two. I have two. So you have a family of three: your, yourself and two dogs. They're both out in the truck. <laughs> right, right. So this is your family, really. There's a. They, I have a husband. Well, yeah, but he doesn't do that kind of work. No, he right? does not. Right. Yes. So they are your friends and your partners and, and your. They are. Kids, kind of. They are absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So they travel with you. They do work with you. Yes. So uh, talk to me a little bit about what did your husband think when he realized you were passionate about this kind of work? It, it, again, I, I still think it's a very unusual line of work. I, I feel very blessed. I, he's, he's really understanding to have, um, you know, these, it takes a lot. It takes a lot financially. Um, I worked full time and I, I cut down on my full time job and went part time so that I would have more time to train. We spend countless hours constantly sharpening our skills, training, attending seminars um, to stay on top of our game. So the finances, the time, the time away from home, uh, the call out in the middle of the night that I may have to grab the dog and leave to go find somebody's child that's missing, um, the days on in looking for someone who's been missing for an extended period of time, uh, he is so supportive. I, I'm extremely blessed because he's very supportive. Uh, these dogs live in our house, mm -hmm. and I'm about to get another puppy. So, <laughs> so your family is growing. So are my family is growing. It is. So back to the training piece of it. You trained Tessa, and then she was too fast, so you went to Bailey. So you gave Tessa different tasks. Yep, we gave Tessa a new job. A new job. And how, she has excelled. How does she know? How, 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 I guess, where do you even start? It's, it's hard to train dogs, I'm sure, but to train them to do a very specific job where you expect results is perhaps even harder. In, in the human remains detection mm -hmm. field. Well, one, of, one, one thing we'll talk about um, after a bit is, is I've helped establish the Iowa Canine or SAR Canine Fund. Um, it's a nonprofit that we've set up to help to financially offset what it costs for us to do this. Well, we've partnered with an organization called Canine Census, and they're actually down in Lucas, Iowa. Is that what's on your back? That you is know? what's on the back of on my shirt. Yeah, it yeah. is. Mm -hmm. And so we train these human remains detection dogs on the real thing. So we go down there to Canine Census, who um, sets up 
training scenarios for us. Um, Marsha and I have also been to Western Carolina University where they have what's called a body farm. Mm -hmm. um, they study human decomposition. Remains. Yep, they do. And, and they have a um, human remains detection dog course down there. So we've been down there um, three times, I think, now. And that's kind of how we get started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it blows my mind to, to know that, that the kind of work you do started as a passion. And you know, the organization that you just helped found, it is a fairly new entity, right? You, you did a lot of that work prior to the formation of this, of this group. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we have been doing this for years. I mean, like Marsha's been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing it for seven years, mm -hmm. um, all coming out of our own pocket. You know, law enforcement, so here's how I look at this. When people say, you mean you pay for everything? So somebody, somebody's um, missing. Mm -hmm. You know, we only, we only take call outs from law enforcement. So, I so, so private, let's say, exactly, if say your cousin's missing, cousin. please call, mm -hmm. you know, call law enforcement. You can suggest that they call us, mm -hmm. um, but we do. We, we deploy with law enforcement. Okay. And um, so, you know, if somebody's missing, especially if they're deceased, mm -hmm. you know, law enforcement has small budgets and you don't dare to say, hey, here, you know, we found your loved one, now here's our bill. That's horrible. I mm -hmm. could never do something like that. We do this because we're passionate about it. We do this because we feel that we're called to do this. Um, this is some our way of giving back to the communities around us um, and to, in a, like you said earlier, I mean, there's a need for it. But not everybody's going to do it. Yeah, and yeah. you know, so a, a lot of people say I'm passionate about this and the other, but this kind of passion requires persistence, commitment, sacrifice, all these other things that 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 make it very unusual. Yeah, and and and, and a lot of dedication. Absolutely, yeah. it does. So yeah. when we set up the fund. Um, the Iowa SAR canine fund. It's been up and running about three weeks now. So it's, it's pretty, it's really brand new. It's still, yeah, it's still a puppy, right? It's still yeah. a puppy. Yeah, it's a puppy stages, right? <laughs> That's cute. Yes. Right. So um, somebody goes missing and you get a call from a law enforcement agency mm -hmm. and they need your help. Mm -hmm. And it's Christmas night. Mm -hmm. Do you go? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not obligated to go. No. Well, you are in your heart. You are because it's what you're called to do. It's because it's your passion and it's because you care. So from that point, from that perspective, then yes. Has it happened to you? I, I have gotten a call at night before to head out with a Franklin County Sheriff had called me. To come out there before so yes and so then you get in the truck with yep bailey you, or both do you take both or that was bailey so Wait, you go yeah with bailey. one of the things that's nice about with um you typically with the work i do with tessa being the human remains detection we don't have to take off in the middle of the night you can be a little more selective you know we mm -hmm. we try and make sure that searching during the day is a lot easier 
um, so we can have a little more control over our search time mm -hmm. than when somebody is missing and they've only been gone a few hours and I have to get that trailing dog down on the trail as soon as possible. And that's one thing I would really love to stress is when somebody does go missing, to be able, you know, if, if we have a place last seen where the person was and they walked away from, to get the trailing dog down on that as soon as possible to be able to pick up that direction of travel to locate them is really essential. So in that particular case, you drive out there, it's dark and you deploy the dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how did, what, what, what happens next? How does the dog know that they need to um, usually find this particular we'll get we'll get a synarticle something that belongs to the person from the house. Okay. Um, typically, and we try and get something that not everybody's handled. You mm -hmm. know, that's in in that particular case, it was the gentleman's tennis shoes. So, mm -hmm. and and the, the darkness does not trouble the dog. The dog is ready to go through the dark. Yeah, they they work in all conditions. These dogs do. It's incredible. You know, it's it's our job. I think about, I just came back from South Dakota with Tessa, and we've been working a case out there, and she worked hours in those, in the Black Hills. And it's, it's hard work, and you watch these dogs, they're just so focused on what they're doing that we actually have to be sure to take care of our dogs because they're so focused, many times they won't they'll just drive themselves to the ground. So we have to tell them to stop and, you know, have them take a drink and make sure to break and check their paws and things like that because they're so focused on their jobs. So what do you do? Do you follow the dog? Do you, you know, have the dog on a, on a, on a leash? Uh, Tessa works it? offline. So huh. and you're not afraid that she might... If we were working in city like this, then I would work her on a line to keep her safe. Yeah, because if they pick up an odor, then she's gone to go get it. So, yes, it depends. It's environmental. If I'm not concerned with her safety, then we turn them loose. But um, when there's safety concerns, then, yes, we work the dog online. You probably make a decision on the ground once mm -hmm. you get there, right? Mm -hmm. So how did that case in South Dakota turn out? We're still working on it. Even though you're not there physically? There's many people working on that. It's it's a is it a missing person? It is. It's a little girl that's been missing since last year, actually. What what scent can a dog uh, pick up after uh, such a long time that the person has been missing for a whole year? Um, bones. Oh. And and even <laughs> even the um, the remains. Yes, that that end up in the environment. You know, it ends up in the soil and wherever else. So we train on these things. We train on bone. We train on, um, you know, decomp in soil. Mm. Um, we try and train for everything that we possibly can, you know, that we're, that's available for us to train on, so. And so can she then come back, like you were here in Iowa now, mm -hmm. and then have to go, if you have to go back, can she kind of restart where she was? and kind of pick up from that moment on to continue to search? Um, in a particular search where you're having to go back and revisit, mm -hmm. you know, you'll work a day or you'll go back a month later and work on it some more. Um, usually what we have is maps. So they look at areas where dogs have had change in behavior and they mark these maps 
And in, in a search like this that is so big, that has involved so many um, agencies, perhaps, agencies right? and handlers, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a big endeavor. And so they have areas, sections, you know, and sections where they have what, what they've gotten from particular dogs. So when you go out, you look at kind of the whole pie, the whole entire picture of it. And then you may say, okay, we're going to deploy this dog over in this area because of this or this because of this. Mm -hmm. So... Has, has um, Bailey or Tessa, have they actually found what they were looking for or who they were looking for? Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. <laughs> so, Tell, Talk to me a little bit about the times you don't. Um, I don't know if the dog... You'll drive yourself crazy. I mean, just sometimes it, it there's cold cases we've been working on for a while. There's times when... Um, you know, it's it's just it's a probably difficult. You know, um, yeah. And you you think about those times over and over. You think, where are they? You know, why didn't we get them? Are they are they here? Are they there? You lay in bed at night <clears throat> thinking about where these people might be. So you're connecting to the missing people through time and and, and worrying about their whereabouts, why didn't we find them? I wonder if the dog feels a sense of uh, let down perhaps, not having found anyone. You know, I wonder about that too, because it, it's, it's gotta be, you know, there are times when we go out on search, especially with, you know, the cadaver dog where we'll spend a whole entire day working. And, you know, she does work, on, she does boat work. And um, rivers are the hardest. Hmm. Rivers are very hard. Um, usually you'll spend your whole day working on a boat in a river and it's really difficult for the dog to narrow it down or the dog does but they're not able to get the body out of the water so we don't reward our dogs unless we know that they absolutely have you know what they're looking for unless we know for sure that that person is there that that those remains are there we don't reward our dogs. So you're right. A lot of times it is kind of a letdown. We try and come home and have fun and do something that's uplifting for the dogs so that they don't feel discouraged or like they didn't, you know, we, we tell them they did a good job and that they've worked hard. So how do you find your recharge? You, you try to be uplifting for the dogs too so that they don't feel discouraged. Um, how do you find your own encouragement when you don't find what you're looking for? Who uplifts you? That's a really good question. That, you know, that's a really good question because sometimes it, it takes a bit to lift yourself back up and, you know, we, you have to look at it. Um, you, you have to set a line for yourself so that you don't drive yourself crazy thinking about it all the time. but. How do you? How much do you know about the person when you look for for them with your dogs? It depends on this particular case. Sometimes a lot, sometimes not much. It depends on what you know, what law enforcement shares with us, or what they even know, because sometimes they don't have too much information on things either. But and, and so law enforcement sometimes they do have a canine dog, right? Their dogs, most of their dogs are usually drug dogs or apprehension dogs. They can do some, some of them can do some basic tracking, but there's a difference between tracking and trailing. 
Can and you explain that to me? The, I'll do the best I can. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, tracking, they, they teach the dogs to actually follow crushed vegetation, footprints. Um, it's a very, a very on-target specific tracking. Um, the scent-specific man-trailing dogs tend to bring everything into the picture. So the dog may um, follow the footprints, but they'll also take and get all of the, the skin cells that come off of our bodies. So this is kind of how I explain mm. this to kids. Mm. We're, you remember pig pin from the peanuts? We're all sitting here in our, in our little dust cloud of skin cells and our own odor. Mm. And all of that falls off of us as we go. So the trailing dog is finding all of that in order to follow you. So it's not following your footsteps, it's following your um, skin cells that fall off of you and your specific odor that is unique only to you. I find really amazing. It's fascinating. Yes, I find really <laughs> amazing that even after, after some time has passed, they can still discern that scent. It is. It and is. That I find fascinating. I just, I just, we train, like I said, all the time. So I just trained with, with my friend and she laid a, walked a trail for my dog. And 22 hours later, I ran that trail with my dog. And she found her 22 hours later. <laughs> she was able to detect your friend's yeah. presence. Yeah. Yeah. She followed the trail and where my friend had walked 22 hours earlier. So we try and, and up. I, as a matter of fact, I'm leaving tomorrow morning um, down to Texas. And the Shreveport Fire Department puts on a big seminar down there for a whole, for a week. And I'll be taking Bailey, who's my trailing dog, and we'll be working down there for an entire week at this seminar, um, tuning our skills. How do you know that a dog is ready to work? What do you mean? Well, training is one one piece of it, right? Because we can train someone, they still cannot be a good performer. So how do you know that the dog is ready to work, that they're ready to apply what you've taught them? How do you know if the dog is going to be good for mm -hmm. what they're supposed yes. to be? I just, I had a dog that was just donated to me. She was so lovely, so sweet. She didn't have what it, was, what it took. So she, she now has a great home, but... So you, you have to look for, you know, the dog's drive um, and you have to look for their, um, you know, they, they have to have a lot of nerve strength because there's a lot of things that happen. You've got to think about when that dog's working. Um, I think about my friend Marsha when her German Shepherd was working um, and some fluorescent bulbs fell on the ground and crashed right near him. Oh. And he just, he, he can stayed focused. <laughs> that was incredible. So, you know, we have to look for those things. It, it's a little bit hard when you love a dog to, to uh, say you, you'll be working and then find out that it's not exactly, it doesn't have exactly the character and the characteristics that it would take to perform the task, right? So it was hard for you to It separate. was so hard for me. It absolutely was. She went to a gentleman who is going to use her for um, Alzheimer's hmm. support. So, so 
So she, she found, she found, she found her, 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 yes, yep, she did. And I, and I knew her, her mission in life was going to be more of a supportive um, job. And so that's what she'll be doing. So so do, do, do the dogs get better with, with, uh, with age? They, they do. They get better with training. Kind of like an athlete. You know, if, if you're going to go run track, um, you, you get faster the more you run. And, you know, they get better with the more that they train. And so do we. And there's a lot for us to learn. This is like with canine census. If you look at the back of my shirt, it says coaching the human end of the leech. I was just going to ask you, <laughs> what are your dogs teaching you? Exactly. So, you know, coaching the human end of the leash. Most of we're like we're going to Texas and um, we'll be going down to Lucas to canine census here um, in April. Um, for some classes again down there and a lot of the education is for us and many times you know we're the hang-up for the dog <laughs> the dogs do a great job a lot of times it's it's me that missed something you know um, so yeah so they train you as well then we yes we we have to be trained just as much we learn from each other mm -hmm. and we're a team so why um, an all-female team, the three of you that you were telling me about? Why all-female dogs? Yeah, no, well, well, maybe that too, but the, the three women that are working this in your group are obviously all three of you are women. Do, do men get involved in this kind of, of training or is it something <laughs> that is more... Yeah, no, it's actually you, just a coincidence. I th I think that God just brought the three of us together because we're supposed to be together. But no, there's a lot of men. I, I, I would imagine that at one point this was probably predominantly men who did this. Would be my guess. Um, but there's just seems to be more and more women. So I don't think it's a gender specific thing. To be honest with you, it's. It's, it's a personal thing, you know? If the person has to have, like you said before, the commitment, the determination, the drive, the, the resources, the um, availability of time, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who think they want to do this. And then once they start to get into it, they, they realize what is involved. And so many of them, quit give up. Yeah, they do just, just give up it, they it's, do it's it's very arduous very mm -hmm. arduous and it's also um outcome based you, you're looking you're looking to accomplish something but progress is so so slow right it, it doesn't happen overnight nope <laughs> training money uh, expenses effort opportunity all these things play play into into this i'm sure um, can you uh, share some uh, insights from some of the cases that you've that you've uh, that you've uh, looked at and, and helped solve? As far as is is it like when you get it solved at the end of it? Is it gratifying? Is it? Oh, absolutely! You know, when there's there's nothing better than when you can bring, you know. When you when you have a successful search, of course, <clears throat> is are most of them successful, or is it even? You know, even? I don't I don't know that I can really say one way or the other. To be honest with you, 
you know, you, because we do, uh, most of my call-outs are all on the human remains detection side. And a good percentage of them are on the rivers. And, and the rivers are miserably hard. Um, even a lot of times the dog will say, it's here, it's here, it's here. But the, the conditions that the dive teams have to try and work in, many times the rivers are too swift. Many times it's too dangerous for anyone to be out there to try and recover the body. Um, so, you know, we, we do a lot of those, unfortunately. Um, that's that's a, a big percentage of our work. And that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Now, how many do you think, um, how many do you think, can you estimate how many calls you've gotten to do river searches in maybe in the last seven years? Have you been doing this? Uh, I wouldn't even begin to say. Well, you know, I've only I've only or? been doing I've only been doing the um, human remains detection work with Tessa for four years. So still, still a sizable number of years, right? Four years. Would you say you've, so, you've done uh, about we, 10, we, 20? we we get at least I bet you know me personally or between us. There seems to be more and more every year as we get known. Really, you know, when you're not known too much but as as different agencies begin to um, see the work that you do um, realize that you know your, your dogs are certified and and um, they begin to share information with other agencies so you begin to get a um, reputation. a reputation I guess yeah, you might reputation. say <laughs> yeah, so is the right word but, in, in, and in. and we certify our dogs. We're, matter of fact, we're leaving in, in May. I hate to say this ahead of time, but we certify with the NAPWADA. So it's the North American Police Work Dog Association. So your dogs can work in a police it's, agency? It's a, what it is is it's a national certification. I see. So it's, a, it's three days of testing. That It's like three of your worst and best days of your life. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> It's kind of like college exams with an animal. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the dog's character. Tell me a little bit about Tessa. Okay. What does she like to do when she's not working? Uh, she's really pretty good about laying around. So I got really lucky. She has a nice off switch. So she'll just kind of go turn lay in off. her bed. Mm -hmm. Yep. She'll just turn off and go lay down. And um, when she was younger, you know, play with toys and that kind of thing, normal dog stuff. So if people were to come to your house, they may easily mistake the dogs for your immediate pets in the house. Oh, absolutely. And not know that they have such advanced skills. Exactly. Detection skills. Exactly. What about Bailey? Uh, Bailey's the same way. I, I'm really blessed. My dogs aren't too, they're not too terribly wound up, you know, when we're home. Um, but they like to go out and, Bailey's not as into toys as Tessa is. Tessa plays with toys and she'll carry things around, play ball and, you know, run around. But they just want to work. That's that's their primary thing. If they're not working, they're just... They work with Alex, <laughs> yeah. right? If they're, if they're not working, they're just, they're resting, so... Mm. Now, why did you feel a need to adopt a third dog? You told me earlier you were thinking about getting another puppy. Oh, Tessa's, Tessa's going to be seven this year. So I have to start working on training my next... I have to start training my next human remains detection dog. So do they have a, a, a work life? 
it they they kind of do yeah sadly enough so what is it is it seven years it depends on the dog you know i know some people with dogs that are working um you know they're 10 11 years old and they're still working their dogs and i know some dogs that have had to be retired at eight years old so it depends on on the dog but they say that when they're about seven eight years old you want to be getting your next dog going so she'll be seven this year it'll take i'm probably about a couple years before the other one is um, mission ready mm-hmm. so and and that's you know then that'll put her at almost nine and it's it's physically a lot of work for them you know their olfactory the nose the body and as they get older and so when when you work um, a location do you is your dog the only one working the trail or are there other dogs of other handlers doing the same kind of work nearby um i think it's is it depends on where we are. I know Marsha and I have turned our dogs out at the same time. Um, I know with the Jake Wilson case up there in LaPorte City, mm-hmm. we had one dog working one side of Wolf Creek and another dog working the other side, the field over there, and then another dog over working in another area. So, Did the dogs help in that case? Absolutely. They, were, were that they was then? exciting. The dog did a really good job. She, She's, you know said he was in the creek but they just they had a miserable time they could not recover him so and then we went back and helped a little bit later and and normally I don't like to talk about cases but um, the police chief has given us permission to be able to talk about that one so mm-hmm. and the dog was is with, was it your dog or was it Marsha's dog that uh, Tessa Tessa gave me a complete alert um, on the creek and so and so we have, a lot of times we'll have another dog go ahead and verify that. Mm. We don't tell each other what we know. We'll just say, can you bring another dog over here? And then we see what we get from the other dog. That way we can double check and verify. But, and then we went back several times to help them to um, narrow in an area so that unfortunately we could do more recovery work. So mm-hmm. that was a super sad situation. Yeah, it really was. Mm-hmm. It really was, and, and I remember the sheriff giving updates to the media about that in, in the search process. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, everybody is asking, where is Jake, where is Jake, where is Jake? Well, he was in the water. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, I'm sad. But they tried everything. They tried everything, and, and he was just, I don't, you know, who's to say where he was in there? He was in there, but they they couldn't get him Conditions, yeah, yeah. it was out. just, it was kind of a weird situation, really. Now, um, the, the dogs, what, what kind of food do they eat? Do you feed them human food? Are they on a diet? How do you <laughs> care for them? I feed mine raw diet, so, what, what which is, is it's 80%, 80% meat, 10% bone, 10% organ meat, and it's all ground up, and I have it shipped in from Minnesota, actually. Right now they're on. They're eating beaver. <laughs> so, so is this part of of? Uh, it's of raw diet. They are so they kind of sharpens their senses. Yeah, it, it helps part? to keep them. Yeah, the the diet helps to keep the dog healthy. So just like an athlete mm-hmm. wants mm-hmm. to eat the right kind of food and be on a good diet so that their bodies stay at their optimal peak performance, and we do the same with our dogs. We try and take care of them 
so that they can stay at their peak performance as well. So they're on a they're on a strict diet. If I could only keep myself on as strict of a diet as I do my dogs. <laughs> Well, you're the human on the other side. Of the I know, leash. I know, I am. <laughs> you, you can do whatever you want. When, when you and Marsha and your friend get together, the three of you, what do you guys talk about? <laughs> Dogs. Really? <laughs> yep. Yep. What we're going to do. Because we're, we're, well, we train together. So when, wherever we go, you know, if we go to one or another's house, then that person will have set something up already. And. Um, yeah, we compare notes and talk about what our dogs are doing. And Are the dogs friends? The three of you are friends, but are the dogs friends with each other? Some are, some aren't. It depends. So it doesn't... Some mean... get along, some not so much. <laughs> but I think that when they're working, they know they're working, so... Is there such a thing as a dog competition? Are they competing with each other when they're looking or is it just a human thing? You know, that's really funny you would say that because... I was asking very genuinely. My, my, no, I think that that's really because I think so. Because when we'll put, we'll have a training scenario set up and I'll put Tessa out there and she'll do her work and put her back in the truck and then... Marshall get her dog Taser out and put him to work and she gets so upset and so jealous and I and they do you know they they think hey that's mine I'm supposed to be doing that not you <laughs> so yeah I, they are competitive maybe they just want to please your handler maybe they just want to please their handler mm -hmm. and as a result um, it looks to us humans as like they're competing right <laughs> yeah so um if someone is looking to um, start or maybe perhaps even join your group or, or do a similar kind of work that you're doing, now that you've told us how much work it actually is, what other advice can you give this person? I would definitely tell the person to make sure that they go um, to get in touch with Canine Census. Um, and again, census is the S E N S E S K mm -hmm. K the letter K nine census, and they have they coach the human into the leash. Um, they have many seminars, and that's where I would tell a person to start is to just start with that. Go to a seminar. If if personally, I would tell the person to audit some seminars to actually go and and not bring a dog but audit and watch and ask questions and and really learn what this is about and whether that's something that they want to commit to um, before before going out and you know getting a dog or, or saying hey I have this dog and I want to do this with it that I feel that a person needs to educate themselves first on what this really is and whether that's going to be for them or not and there's a lot of great educational material out there. So us girls that train together, we're not, a, we're not a team. We're all independent handlers. So we don't belong to a team per mm -hmm. se. We're just, we're independents. If you were to start over again today, knowing what you know, what are some of the uh, lessons that you, you've learned now that you would like to avoid that you've gone through and and wish you hadn't done. 
I don't know. I feel like, you know, everything that I've done and everything I've learned has made me what I am today. And I think if I take any of the components out of there, I'm not going to know what I learned because we all learn from our mistakes. Yes, we all we learn from, you know, the things that we should have done, the things we shouldn't have done. Um, you know, I can't say that I would change a whole lot. You know, I've been really blessed. I really have. I, I have. <laughs> And, and, and when you introduce Tessa and Bailey to people who come to your house for the first time, what do you say about them? Um, Meet my... <laughs> Usually I'm apologizing because they're barking. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, uh, looking at the, um, at the group that you've put together, the three of you, where do you see this go forward? What would the, your dream operation look like? Um, for would you see more people, more dogs. Well, more what I what I would like to be able to do, and the reason that we have, um, the reason that we've set up the nonprofit now, which I'll chat about that if that's okay with you yes, a little please bit. Do. Please do. Okay. <clears throat> um, is the reason we established that is because the one thing I think that that um, limits us in our availability is the lack of funds because you know I you have to work um, dogs are expensive we have vehicles like my suburban out there that's outfitted just for the dogs mm. as you'll see when we go out and visit them um, you have you know every time we go on a search that costs several hundred dollars our seminars are five hundred to a thousand dollars to go to a seminar or to um, certify and I think that's what kills it for a lot of people. And so we want to be able to be there with no burden on the family or the small law enforcement budgets or the community budgets. You know, a lot of times these searches are being head up or being, um, you know, it's the local fire department or the EMS. And, we don't want to be a burden on any of these. We want to still be able to be available. We want to be able to have more time to be available and not say, well, you know, maybe I can be there tomorrow because sorry, I'm at work. <laughs> um, it would be it would be great to be able to be more mission ready and to have the uh, financial support to do that and to be able to, That that's my dream, is to be able to be there more readily available. And mission ready. And mission ready, absolutely. To be able to be have our dogs in the top certified condition and to be mission ready at all given times. How can people help? Um, they can they can help by donating. <laughs> right. And what what is is there a number they can call? Um, uh, is is there a, a website they could go to? What yeah. Would be a, a I, I yeah. I have that right here. Yeah. Okay. Just it's uh, it's caninecensus.org backslash Iowa SAR canine fund. And I'm going to have this uh, written on the, uh, on the podcast as well. But census yeah, is right K9 there. is like the number nine. And then census is spelled S-E-N-S-U-S dot org. Mm -hmm. Right? And then work. And then backslash the Iowa SAR canine fund. Mm -hmm which is what we have. We have a Facebook page also, 
called Iowa SAR, S-A-R, um, K-9, the letter K, the number nine, fund. Um, and if people want to like us there, they can see some of what we do. Um, like I said, we're new, so we don't have a ton of content on there yet, but we're starting to put more on the Facebook page and they're welcome to go there. And there's a donate, you know, they can get through and donate from there as well. We're also doing a fundraiser right now, um, a Facebook fundraiser until May 1st. And we've just been overwhelmed with how the blessings that people have just poured on us. It's been great. So people are um, ready to give. They are. They are. There they was understand a, the importance of your work. They do. There was a group called um, American Brawn. And I just, I want to, you know, thank them again because they, they donated a $1,000 to us, which is fabulous. So we're going to be able to go certify our dogs. We'll be able to just certify a team with that. And uh, yeah, it's... a good use right away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We do. Yeah. We do. And, and uh, just looking looking at this... And listening to your story and understanding the importance uh, of the work you do um, I do agree with you that you're blessed but tell me a little bit about the divine calling what makes you think it was divine you, I know you said it was a divine calling what makes you think it was divine because I don't think I would have ever thought of this on my own <laughs> I really don't I it was it would be the furthest thing I think from something that I would be doing I really do. I just, I feel the, the calling that's in my heart um, and in my life. I really believe it's something that God wants me to be doing. I really do. It's it's not something that I would have thought of or fantasized on my own at all, especially the human remains detection part of it. I, I worked in a hospital when I was younger, and if I got in the elevator with a body, I pinned myself all the way against the wall. and. And now here I use a dog to go look for them. <laughs> so that's, that's why I, I believe that it's just it's something that God wants me to do. And he's, he has paved the way and he's absolutely blessed me in this passion and in this field. And I believe that he wants me here and he wants me doing this. Even the people that I've met and the places that I've been and the doors that have opened. You know, I, I believe honestly that, you know, when, when God really wants us, when we're walking in the path that he wants us to walk, the doors will open. And, and they have for this, they really have. So you have no fear, no hesitation, oh. just mission. Uh, mission, yes. I wouldn't say I never have any fear or hesitation, <laughs> but <laughs> as far as with my mission, absolutely not. I'm, I'm all in all in and doing a lot of very important work thank you I, I really appreciate you coming here today thank you so much uh, for being so candid and answering all of my questions and good luck to you in your further pursuits and I am just going to go out with you and, and look at the dogs <laughs> uh, and meet them for the first time and this this right here is um, we partner with canine census mm -hmm. so I, I really wanted to um, you know, to give them the the recognition that's, that's due. Um, mm -hmm. And Canine Census, the reason that um, they have, that what they do is they've, they've set, helped us set up the Iowa SAR Canine Fund is partnered underneath Canine Census. 
And Canine Census supports us in this because it is an Iowa-based um, nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. And so um, Canine Census Foundation um, coaches working and service dog trainers and handlers. Um, they coaching the human end of the leash. Leash provides veterans um, and detection dog handlers knowledge, skills, and training to better work with their canine partners. Um, their progressive research-based training translates theory into practice, empowering trainers, handlers, and veterans to effectively thrive, protect, and serve um, Canine Census is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. Yeah, and, and now that you read this, uh, uh, our listeners will oh. hear the, the end of this of this podcast, which oh, is. Oh, we uh, grab my coat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to just just leave it here. Oh, okay. What we'll do is we'll just go out to the to your truck to meet your your uh, your working partners. I need my keys. Okay, at least so people can at least hear them. Um, and the reason why they were not in the studio is you said that they would be very focused on wanting to work. Yes, right, <laughs> and and that would be distracting to them. But one of the beautiful parts about having a marble podcast is that we can move as we talk. So let's just get out to your truck just outside of the studio here and meet Tessa and. Bailey, uh, we'll be waking them up, right? I will be waking them up. Yes. Suburban Chevrolet. Hey, Pops. Hi. hi. You say hi. This is <laughs> Hello. Tess, is that's Tessa. Hi, Tessa. <laughs> no. That's Tessa. <laughs> yes. This is Bailey. Stop. Hi, Bailey. Tessa, no. She's uh, she's protective of her truck. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I don't want to get into the truck. That's okay, Tessa. Wait. That's better. Good girl. Good girl. Good girl, good girl, good girl. Again, thank you so much for coming. And, okay. uh, and thank you for introducing me to Tessa and Bailey. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll just bring her in. <laughs> yes, let's just bring her in. But in the meantime, thank you all for listening. And thanks for listening. Join me next time right here on this assignment with Nelia. And meanwhile, stay on purpose.